It's Friday. You know what that means. Welcome to the newest episode of Mike Makes Playlist, a podcast where I literally make a playlist and give you some context as to why the songs are important to me, why the songs are important to music, why the songs are important to the culture. Uh, so basically what I do in this podcast is every week I make a themed playlist, last week's being um, the best album openers of Rock Volume 1. We kind of focus a lot on um, 1970s, 1980s, uh, you know, rock. And this week, we are going to shift the focus from rock to hip-hop. Because if there's there's one thing I don't want to do on this podcast is make it uh, genre-biased. Um, with that being said, let's hop into what's going on this week. Uh, so 2011 was a cr- pretty crazy year for hip-hop. There was a lot of albums that came out that particular year that kind of kick-started a lot of careers of very prominent and influential artists of today. Um, but perhaps one of the biggest uh, products that projects, excuse me, uh, that dropped that year was Watch the Throne, um, which is the, uh, the iconic collab between Kanye and Jay-Z. Um, the song, I mean, the album, excuse me, the album leads off with No Church in the Wild, which is the same song that leads off this week's playlist. Tell me what there isn't to love about this track, what there isn't to love about this record. You have Kanye post My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. You have Jay-Z um, arguably peaking at this time in his career. Um, and that's and that's a different rant for another time. You have Frank Ocean on this track alone, which drives the chorus, which drives the um, beginning of this album uh, that is just, it, it, it's a masterpiece in, in the sense that the production handled by by both Kanye and Jay Z, as well as many other people within that realm, um, and so in 2011 I was 14, and I was about to begin high school, which is a super scary time in my life, and and I think in anyone's life. I I went to Andran, uh, and I was I was as most people from Andran, you're coming in not really knowing that many people. Um, I knew I don't think I knew anyone actually coming in, and so. That was also around the time that I was discovering hip hop and what it's like to express yourself. Um, that's when I was really getting into Kanye, and if you know me very well, uh, Kanye is definitely one of my uh, favorite artists and biggest influence in a lot of things that I do. Um, maybe not his uh, current act antics, but the way he handles himself and his art is just remarkable. And say what you want about Jay Z, uh, I don't think he's the greatest of all time, but he he is. Um, He's a definite powerhouse in in hip hop and in music in general, uh, having a hand in helping uh, you know rappers such as Kanye and others that help make hip hop more mainstream and less um, seclusive in a sense. Um, this album kind of brings these two worlds of of Kanye and Jay Z together, a Midwest rapper and an East Coast rapper. Um, Jay Z, arguably one of the best businessmen in uh, in the industry, and just the first five tracks off that album alone is enough to just you know just boil your blood, you know, in a sense. Like this album is is fierce. It's uh, unapo- unapologetically themselves, and definitely just such a highlight of both their careers. 
Um, and it's kind of beautiful to see that kind of friendship, which ov- which obviously developed uh, throughout both their careers, um, kind of peak right there. And regardless of what the media says of their their kind of beef since then or whatever, uh, whether they squashed it or not, uh, this will always remain a highlight and a um, a tender heart a, a tender part in my heart and many other hip hop fans. Um, and I really hope that if you haven't heard it. If for some reason you haven't heard this song, you haven't heard any of the album, or even just like the four or five main singles that ruled the airwaves in 2011, give it a listen. Listen to not only the lyrics, but the production, um, especially on, I think it's Otis, which they use they use a uh, what is presumed an Otis Redding sample, but is actually Jamie Foxx on the mic. Um, you know, that guy has some pop, uh, pop <laughs> that guy has some pipes on him. And uh, it's just you know the way they the way they loop uh, loop samples and the way they uh, layer instruments is is something something beautiful and I I hope that if you listen to it you can become even half as passionate as I am about these two artists so um, so next on the list oh all right all right so the the second song on the list is Party All the Time by Danny Brown. Wanna go, always tell her yes, never tell her no. No, you think you know everything, but you don't wanna do the right thing, but you probably won't. So So the eccentric Detroit-based rapper Danny Brown stormed onto the scene in 2011, uh, following a uh collab album from 2010. Um, I can't remember the name of the people that he collabed with, but 2011 was the year of his debut. Um and I think a lot, and you're going to hear me talk a lot about production throughout this whole thing, but the production in this album was very intentional in the sense that Danny Brown's voice is kind of fucked up. Like, it, it's not conventional in hip-hop. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's kind, of, it's kind of nasally in a sense, and it's also kind of, it's not whiny, but it's, um, it's, it's definitely different. Um, and I think a lot of critics and uh, fans noticed that the production in his, in his um, work has been, was very chaotic and kind of... Um, I don't want to say lumped together, but uh, the mixes weren't completely perfect. But it, it, as time goes on, it, it, it's kind of obvious that a lot of that was intentional. Um, at the time of him releasing this album in 2011, I think he turned 30. But uh, even though he was 30, uh, the, the type of music he was putting out kind of reminded fans a lot of the L.A.-based hip-hop collective Ot Future. Um, just the way his lyrics kind of revolved around I want to say maturity and uh, growing up and realizing uh, who you are as a human being. However, this album, um, XXX, kind of meets immaturity with the real life kind of being slapped in your face. And I think that's where uh, him being 30 and recording and releasing his debut album kind of uh, really hits home for a lot of people in, is the fact that he was he was ch- he's chasing a dream that he was probably um, deeming unfulfillable you know and i feel like a lot of us feel that way what xxx is about uh like internally is kind of you know under the under the uh, under all the all the lyrics and stuff it's to not stop chasing your dreams and it's like it's it's a hard life to realize what it is and who you are nowadays he's definitely one of the um he's definitely a more prominent figure in the industry He's definitely a more prominent artist to a lot of other artists. Um, 
I'm I've never been super crazy about a lot of his other albums. He just released this album in let 2019, yeah, last year, that I wasn't in- incredibly crazy about, but I know critics raved over it. I should probably give it another spin. But this album in particular, when you're for me, when you're 14 and trying to figure out who you are as a human being, what your purpose is on this earth, um, and starting to dive into the realm of meeting new people and uh, really being forced to figure out what you want to do with the rest of your life. This is the kind of album that you want to be listening to, to realize that it is never too late to really chase what you want in life. Um, and I think Danny Brown does that exceptionally exceptionally well. And he um, he portrays it very well on this album through his production, through his lyrics. I'm not sure if he did the production or not, but it's so chaotic and so juicy and just thick in just the randomness that kind of goes on. All right. All right. So next we're going to go into um, a, a song by The Roots off of their album Undone in 2011 called Sleep. So if I were to sit here and tell you that when I was 14, I was the biggest Roots fan, um, or if I even really knew exactly who the Roots were, I would be totally lying to you. Um, And to this day, uh, I feel like a lot of people underestimate the Roots. They just know them as the uh, that band that backs up a late night show, which is absolutely bonkers. These people, these guys have just like scored like countless movies Uh, in 2011 the time of this album undone dropping it is their 13th album in their discography um and this album in particular um is a story of a man named redford stevens dying in reverse so the first the first songs leading all the way to the last songs are of his death and then going backwards of what he is as a human being and his faults but also like how he got caught up in familiar street hustle and uh, modern media is kind of documented, like uh, documenting the the truth through a certain lens. It's a whole thing. It's a it's an injustice concept album that kind of relates more so today than any uh, any other album from that era. Um, if we're being completely honest, especially in, in light of recent events, um, what the Roots do so well in this song in particular is the influence of folk. Um, used throughout not only this song but the whole album and um, not being shy of you know going on using untraditional um, influences in a um, in a genre that you know it doesn't typically use those kind of samplings or rhythms or chord progressions the roots of course comprise of many people who play like it's very orchestral in a sense um they, they kind of shocked the world by being this relying on production of many other people rather than rather than a um, a keyboard or a, uh, a a computer you know which is how, which is how a lot of people my age and uh, younger excuse me um, get their start by sitting in their basement and playing on the keyboard and creating the next big hit this is a intense absolutely intense uh, way of creating music to get many people on board with a similar vision. But that is why they are so legendary. That is why they are The Roots, such a prominent name. And I wish more people kind of, maybe it's just my generation, maybe a lot of people older than me 
have a better appreciation for this band than I do. Because even at the time, um, I remember hearing this song because it was it wasn't on the it wasn't on the radio or anything. I remember hearing this on like a Pandora uh, for um, I don't even know for, for like maybe like Eminem or something like that. Being uh, in love with this song, not the whole album, just because I didn't understand it at the time. I think revisiting it nowadays has done it more justice than you know, fourteen year old Mike. But um, uh, just realizing the power that these people have, and um, yeah, I mean, hip hop's always so racially charged and um, socially charged. But the way that these these men handle it in this album, um, it speaks volumes. You know, it's one of those it's it's, it's one of those pieces of art that, that stands the test of time. And I'm very happy it exists. So, uh, with that being said, we're gonna go into another artist that is very well known for his racially and socially charged albums, and that is Kendrick Lamar, my personal favorite rapper ever, um, and his song ADHD off of his 2011 debut, Section 80. When your age don't exist, man, that's where my nigga tripping off that shit again. Pick him up, then I sit him in cold water, then I order someone to bring him Viker. Then hope they take the pain away from the feeling that he feel today. You know when you're part of section. To say that Kendrick is a hard artist to talk about, it would be an understatement. Um, he has been so influ- influential on the genre and the world, uh, winning a Nobel Prize in literature for his uh, 2016 effort. To Pimp a Butterfly, uh, widely uh, uh, critically acclaimed, um, a lot of people would consider it one of the best albums of hip-hop history, uh, and, and what he did in that album is insane, but actually this album, that um, Section 80, that, that was released in 2000, uh, 2011, is my personal favorite of his. Uh, it's his first album, which would uh, eventually lead to 2013's um, Good Kid, Mad City Um that album is uh, is a movie in and of itself, but Section 80 is his breakthrough onto the scene and mainstream success. ADHD is probably the most notable song. That and Rigor Mortis uh, were, were dominating, not the airwaves necessarily, but party playlists and workout playlists and um, all sorts of hip-hop-infused um, cultural items. Um, section 80 is, as as all of Kendrick's uh, work, is more of a conceptual kind of narrative album. What he does so well in this in this record, uh, uh, he he builds on a legacy that Tupac uh, Tupac Shakur is 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 known for in um, writing songs about equality and injustice, and not only that, but the bad parts of not only the hood but just living in general. Um, especially, especially in the area that, that Kendrick grew up in, which was Compton. Um, he, he wears his heart and his influences on his sleeve, but it's, it's so, it's, it, it works for him, you know? And I've never been, a, I've never been a fan of people who are, um, so indulged in their influences that it's very obvious, but his Tupac, uh, influence, his, um, other nineties, uh, influences whether it's in the production or his flow um, doesn't outshine his tactical ability to rhyme to uh, create you know conceptual bars to drive a message rather than performing for a I want to say I guess, I guess the best way to say it is, is, is performing for a white audience or for people who may not empathize what he does so well on this record and in these songs and in his work continuing 
it's creating empathy for many people to realize maybe secondhand. Um, one song that that comes to mind is uh, "Swimming Pools" off of his a uh, off of his uh, 2013 effort, "Good Kid, Mad City," which is played at parties all the time because you know uh, the, the classic line: "Stand up, drink, wake up, drink." People think it's a drinking song was actually the negative. It, it's it's all about the awful part of drinking and what drinking does to break apart families. Same way in section 80 and this song, um, in it, it, uh, this song in particular, um, ADHD, he, he claims that all his friends are eighties babies, which means they're all crack babies, uh, being from the hood, which is why his ADHD and other mental illnesses are so prevalent. Um, which is such a, a, a heavy concept to deal with over over his flows, over his fast his fast pace, and um, but the me- with the mellow, synth driven uh, beat. So I know that's a little heavy. Uh, Kendrick Lamar is a heavy artist. He's not afraid to uh, shove his beliefs. I, I don't want to say shove his beliefs down his throat, just because a lot of the things he believes in it, it should be humanely right and understood by a lot of people. Um, at least that's my opinion. If you disagree with his music, that's that's another thing, and I was I will always respect your opinion. But his uh, his music has made me realize um, so much about myself and the world around me. Um, so on this list so far, we've talked about Kendrick, we've talked about um, Kanye, and I am Mike. I am Slater. Uh, I am someone who holds these hip-hop artists in high regards and i would be remiss to not mention tyler the creator on this podcast uh, so without further ado let's get into yonkers which is probably the lead single off of tyler's 2011 album goblin I remember being um, at my best friend Josh's house, and he looks at me and he's like, "Have you ever listened to Tyler the Creator?" And he and Tyler had just came onto the scene around this time. His um, his his mixtape titled uh, "Bastard" had blown up, not to critical acclaim, but to a lot of parents complaining about his lyrical content and his music so i i was aware of, of who he was and his um his reputation at the time but i'd never given him a chance and so i was like you know what i have a couple friends that that, that swear by his music let's uh let's check it out and this is the song that josh played me so it's it's hard to believe you know for people who are unaware of the four albums that that tyler put out before flower boy and before Igor, you know, which had just recently won a Grammy, you know, um, that Tyler was perceived as this problematic uh, kid that uh, in hip hop, you know, he was he was viewed as this outcast. Um, and I think that's something that I loved about him, not because that he was an outcast, but because it was very obvious that he was not afraid to do the things that he wanted to do. All right. When Goblin was uh, released, I believe he was 21, maybe 20. Um, and this is an album. It, it, it's it, it's loosely conceptional, but basically he has this conversation with his conscious 
and with his therapist throughout this entire album. So what Yonkers is is a um every every sentence and line in this song contradicts itself, which is pretty crazy. So when he's when he says I'm a fucking walking paradox, he's being literal. Um between his flows, between his iconic voice and the production, which he handles himself. He has done production on all six albums that he has released, um, especially, more notably uh, on Igor, which won him a Grammy. Um, and, and, and let me tell you something. If you told me in 2011, 2012, when I first started getting the title of creator, that this man would win a fucking Grammy, I would have... Ah, I already, I would have made fun of you so hard, but this man has evolved into such a beautiful figure, not only in the genre, but in like the culture as well. And what this album represents, not at the time, but now, um, is so, so impactful because this was during a time where Out of Future was slowly uh, breaking up. You know, he is the one who uh, helped bring these creatives together. Out of Future included Frank Ocean, Earl Sweatshirt, just to name two. Oh, and and uh, everyone that's in the internet, I'm pretty sure. Excuse me. Which are four, including Tyler, are four prominent figures in the industry right now. Um, that that they kind of made the the music and the art that they wanted to do. Um, with that, uh, Tyler was able to get a TV show on Adult Swim where he did these, these fucked up skits that were super funny. From there, he started, uh, making merchandise beyond his own brand of, uh, artists, artistry of Odd Future. He, he, he started Golf Wang, which is a, uh, very, I don't want to say luxurious, but it, it's more casual and expensive, um, streetwear. That is still very popular today, and he handles that very well. His fashion is um, is, is contemporary and tasteful, to say the least. I'm a big fan of his clothes. But, um, you know, at the point where he's making this, no one could have really predicted that. Because you're talking about a kid who rapped about uh, killing B.O.B., crashing his airplane, you know, and all sorts of other obscene stuff just to piss people off. That's all he wanted to do. Um, and this guy, th- this album is so much deeper than that, you know, because on the surface, yes, yeah, that's what it seems like he's doing. But on the inside, he is making art that impacts himself and he's making the art that he wants to make, which is so important for younger creators to realize. And I think people who grew up in the Tyler, the creator, uh, Goblin area uh, era really appreciate um, what he's made himself into, because watching him go from this to songs like Earthquake or 911 off of uh, uh, his 2017 uh, effort, The Flower Boy, is just, it's remarkable. He has so much depth in his um, in his art, in his music, and he is not afraid to be vulnerable. And he, and he, he, he navigates at this level of comfortable vulnerability that is unfathomable to people, whether it is literally um, making an entire album about him discovering his sexuality, or creating clothes that he likes to wear and not to change the world necessarily. Um, he's very he's very braggadocious on a lot of his uh, on his current verses in in features, and it's so very well earned. And I'm very I'm very proud to be a Tyler the Creator fan. Um, 
And for once, I'm actually not going to recommend you going back and listening to to these albums because if you didn't if you didn't listen to them at the time they came out, and you were familiar with the work he makes now, your opinion on him might might completely uh, be ruined because the things he says and does in these in these records and for the promotion is so. I guess it would be perceived as obscene, but um, at the time, you know, for for angsty teenage kids, they were they were so rad and cool. So uh, I mean, I could talk about Tyler all day. So I should I should probably calm down. So going into our next song, we got "Hell Yeah Fucking Right" by Drake off of his 2011 critically acclaimed album "Take Care." Uh, I think there's um. I think when it comes to music, a lot of people have a lot of different rants. And uh, one of my main rants is the impact Drake has had on the genre of hip hop. And I, in my, in my personal opinion, it is very, very minimal. Um, so much to the point where uh, his fame and popularity is not so much deserved um, based on his past couple albums. But if we're talking about early 2010s uh, Drake, that shit was crazy like just take care was such a great album um and followed by was it nothing was the same an even better album um and the singles off of this album were were another uh couple songs that absolutely ruled the airways of popular radio um because this was definitely a time where uh hip-hop and that that genre of music was definitely becoming more prominent and more uh regularized and more noted notable <laughs> i don't know what i'm saying but yeah so i'm going with uh hell yeah fucking right over the motto because um even though the model the the song the motto has um such a strong place in history with the birth of yolo which is the motto um hell yeah fucking right is this kind of dancey jam where it it totally showcases um drake's ability and i always thought it was more important to showcase his ability because he is a talented rapper um my my problem with drake doesn't lie within his technical abilities um that's another another rant for another time during this time drake was was so on fire um before he started just turning out um soulless pop hits he was churning out tracks like hell yeah fucking right tracks like the motto tracks like marvin's room which even though it has been memeified it is still a great song and uh, a track that you have to um, turn off all the lights to listen to uh but since we're talking about hell yeah fucking right the track it is so hard to get that uh first verse out of your head just because of the speed he's rapping at and uh the way his flow sounds um all my exes live in texas like i'm george Strait, and then he goes on you know with (laughs) i know people that can rap it i can't um it's a very classic song it will it will live on forever um it's been it's been played at so many parties been played at so many dances that um you know, there was probably a time where I I didn't want to listen to it as much, but now looking back, uh, when whenever that track was playing, and me and my friends were just like screaming the lyrics in the back of our uh, our shitty cars that, that that they were driving at the time, um, it was it was such a great time to to look back on and experience. So, uh, thank you, Drake, for take care. 
an all-time classic album. Thank you for um, the next couple albums you released. But uh, what is going on with your most recent work? <laughs> that is a, uh, like I said, that's a rant for another time. We're going to go into the next track, which is Six Foot, Seven Foot, off of The Car to Fall by Lil Wayne. The Carter Four is the fourth in a series of albums titled The Carter, and uh, with the fifth of being recently released in was it twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen? Uh, it was it was a long wait between the four and five, and um, you know this is one of those songs off of that album in particular that that it really sticks with you, mostly because of the dancey production, the um, memorable lyrics and wordplay by not only Wayne but the feature of Corey Guns. Um, Wayne has always been known for his wordplay, for his um, offhand approach to creating lyrics, which uh, a lot of his work uh, is freestyled. He even has a line that he doesn't write shit, he doesn't have time. Take that for what that's worth. Um, uh, always noted in one of the best rappers of our generation, maybe even all, of all time, uh, Lil Wayne is a very successful artist from New Orleans. Even though he reps the Packers harder than damn near anyone else I know. Um, <laughs> no offense, Ramsey. But, yeah, uh, what, regardless of your take and thoughts on Lil Wayne's discography or him as an artist, this song absolutely bops. This song is very fun to put on your workout playlist. Very fun to put on in the car with your friends. Um, and when I was when I was uh, you know fourteen in in the car with my friends, like I said on the last album, this this was coming on right after Drake. So um, this is a, a song meant to enjoy, um, <laughs> and just the way he rhymes words and uh, creates puns is so funny. So I hope uh, if if you haven't listened to that album, it's I wouldn't say that whole album is worth your time, but a lot of his discography is uh, just the way he. Um, you know, I wouldn't say his flow is anything special as much as his voice and his cleverness on wordplay. So, um, but going from one great rapper to another, we have J. Cole on the next track with Can't Get Enough. I ain't got no kids yet, but this right here's for practice. I hate to get the seats in the bins wet, but that's how good your ass is. Make an old man get his glasses, make Wesley pay his taxes. I have the most vivid memory of you know, turning on the radio when I was in, I think it was sculpture class when I was a freshman in high school. And this song, especially with that very catchy intro, uh, would pop on whatever radio station we were listening to at the time. Um, J. Cole, even to this day, is is such a huge figure in the hip-hop industry. Many people considering him one of the best of not only our generation, but of all time. Same as Lil Wayne, same as Lil Drake, uh, Lil Drake, same as Drake, same as Kendrick, same as everyone else on this list, damn near. Because 2011 was that year for hip-hop. Um, and even though I disagree with a lot of people that think Cole is better than Kendrick, uh, you can't deny the way he... Um, you know, he creates tracks and the albums he produces, especially with, um, uh, you know, 2014's effort, Forest Hills Drive. Um, but Cold World coming out in 2011 really kind of set set up uh, Cole for, for so much success. Um, this song is catchy beyond belief. A lot of the songs on this album are catchy beyond belief. And not only are they catchy, they are great lyrically. 
and they they hold so much uh, greater messages beyond you know the sex and drugs that that is featured so much in um, in this type of type of music. Um, you know, J Cole. That's that's all I can really say about him. Um, you know, there's another rant I have <laughs> the same way I have a rant about Drake uh, about his impact on hip hop, but. You know, take it for what it's worth. I do love this album. I do love this track, and I do a lot love a lot of his discography. So, uh, if you're hesitant on trying new things, on you know trying to figure out if you like J Cole or not, just just t- just take the plunge in. It's such a fun discography. Um, even his, I think, what was it? Kod. That was his most recent uh, project from 2018. Very so- solid record. Um, and yeah, a lot a lot to chew on there. But from there, we're going to go into the late and great Mac Miller's track, Under the Weather, um, off of his 2011 album, Blue Slide Park. Every day, not really doing shit. A couple million in the bank. I'm working all the time, never getting me a break. But fuck it, that's fine. Not a minute, go to waste. I just wanna be a legend. Every second, I gotta be going in. A part of me wanna chill, but a part of me wanna win. No college paying my bills. I'm saying this is what I feel. Cause haters be looking stupid when you just keep you know, it. It doesn't seem that it doesn't seem like he's gone. Um, and I think it's still kind of hard to to wrap your mind around. Because Mac Miller and a lot of the fans that kind of grew up in this area—I mean, not this area, but this era—of um, you know his ability to make music uh, were really impacted by him because he had probably some of the most potential out of all the artists um, on this list that were really making their start in their career. Um, and the thing about Mac is that you know, upon first listen, you think that. You know, I'm talking about back in the day. Upon first listen, you think that he's just another, um, you know, white frat boy rapper, you know? And that was so popular during this time. In 2011 alone, uh, beyond these releases, you had releases from Hoodie Allen and Sam Adams and what is that, Roth or Ross or whatever, the guy who has uh, the I Love College song. Um, you have a lot of these rappers that, that, that are white that don't really empathize with the uh, the majority of the demo that hip hop uh, alludes to, and you have Mac kind of hopping on with this with with um you know successing after his uh, debut EP the year before, um but what Mac does in this album, what Mac continues to do throughout his career, is subvert these expectations, uh that that the main popul- uh, population has about him and show that he is a true artist. Um, in this, uh, this, this track in particular, Under the Weather, uh, appears later in the record. Um, and on this, uh, you know, this is, this, is, this is a playlist that I built around singles. These, this is a playlist that I built around the most popular songs from some of the most popular albums in this genre from this year. Under the Weather was not a very popular song from this record. And I know that I'm kind of going against the, the, um, the, I guess the basis and the authority of what my, my playlist is supposed to represent. But Under the Weather is, is definitely one of the shout songs off this record. And I really hope someone listens to it and continues to listen to what Blue Slide Park is. Upon first listen, 
you think that a majority of this of of what blue side park is is just about partying and um you know loving the rich life mac is 19 when he makes his record he has found so much commercial success with his uh single donald trump and his ep um the best day ever which which features the great song the best day ever right and so you come into blue side park you're 19 you're from pittsburgh you're you're self-made and people are loving your music because it is is popping. It is great to play at parties. You have songs such as Frick Park Market on this album, which is literally about going to the market, meeting your friends, and going to a party. You know, you have Up All Night, which is literally about drinking all night. You know, you have these songs scattered in with a lot of vulnerable moments. And that is what Under the Weather does for this record. Like I said, Mac is 19 when he uh, when he released, excuse me, when he released Blue Slide Park. Under the Weather is all about the 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 expectations that people have for him. I'm sorry, I'm burping a lot. Uh, Under the Weather is a song about wishing that he was farther than where he is. When I'm 14 listening to 19-year-old Mac, I'm thinking, man, he literally has the world in the palm of his hands. You get to this song, and he literally says, you can have the world in the palm of your hand, but it don't mean a thing unless you change it. And let that sit with you for a minute. Because on an, on an album, on your debut, that is supposed to be seen as fun and something that is timeless in the sense that you can throw the whole album on during a whole party, no one notices. He sprinkles in so much maturity for such a young kid you know he has um pennsylvania nights on this record that is all about touring and you know the effects it has on him already um he has uh miss calls which is about romance and the the strenuous effects that being a rapper in this industry uh has on a relationship you know and his inability to cope with a lot of things Mac would then go on to create so much more masterpieces such as um, watching movies and then um, The Divine Feminine and ultimately, obviously, uh, swimming before his uh, untimely passing. So if you know Mac, um, if you don't know Mac beyond his last couple albums that kind of garnished him more commercial success, I highly recommend going back to his roots, which is Blue Side Park, which uh, is an album that got me personally through a lot of uh, hard times because you're listening to a kid living out his dreams and um, you're, you're wanting to do the same. And if it's possible for some kid from Pittsburgh to do it, then you can too. So uh, it, it's kind of hard to talk about Mac, but rest easy. And um, we're going to go into the next track, which is, oh, and the final track, actually which is by Lupe Fiasco off of his 2011 Light. album, Lasers, which is yeah. The Show Goes On. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. All right, already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see the thunder? Just remember when it comes to the show. You know, if I'm being totally honest, um, I think this, the song kind of really speaks for itself here. Um, you know, at the time of, of its release, this album, Lasers, wasn't, you know, 
perceived greatly by the critics. And, and I, but I do believe that uh, that could be a misstep. I wasn't a huge fan of the whole album, but it deserves a lot more praise than it actually got. And I think this song, which was actually perceived lazy by um, a Pitchfork writer, uh, fuck that guy. This song is such an anthem to my youth, to um, the people in this in this time. Um, just the way the melody kind of goes throughout really is inspiring in a sense you know the lyrics the production um and i think beyond that the reclusiveness of the rapper loopy fiasco is um speaks a lot on his career um and i will always think that he is most notable for this album and i hope that his legacy continues yeah, that's all I really want to say about him. Just because I feel like I, I went on a lot about other rappers today. And, um, you know, it's hard it's hard not to get romantic about something you're passionate about, which is music, which is for me, obviously, I have a music podcast. Um, and if if I sounded badly today, I'm sorry. I am alone. Um, I took this one on solo just because it was kind of, it was, it was easier for me to uh, get this off um, without a guest. I'm, I'm sure I'll be joined with Alan soon. But thank you for listening. If you did listen, I uh, hope you check out the podcast. Um, I hope you check out the playlist and send us in suggestions of a theme or anything that you would like to hear. Um, I'm always open to uh, collaboration. If you want to be a guest on here, fucking hit me up. <laughs> you know, you can follow me at Slater.219 on Instagram. My DMs are always open. Um, I'm at Mike Kristen on, uh, on Twitter. My, news, my, uh, my nickname is Slater. Um, so yeah, get in contact with me. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, this has been Mike from Mike makes playlists. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.